Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. On today's episode, you'll hear my guest, Sean Hawkins, a longtime manager of contact centers at different companies, discuss practical ways to get customer care reps really engaged to deliver great service. As you'll hear, CX, customer experience, is a science and an art, and it requires best-in-class leadership. What does that look like? How do you measure call center success and make customer support your brand differentiator in reality, not just theory? What does diversity and inclusion have anything to do with call centers? And how do you drive a culture that appreciation of people's differences is the norm? You're going to learn a lot from Sean, so get out your notepad and listen carefully. Please share this episode with others so that more customer care centers are doing it right. And I'd appreciate if you subscribe to my show on your favorite podcast channels so you'll get updates on new episode releases. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Sean Hawkins. I'm so happy you are here with me today. Hi, Stacy. So happy to be here. We've been friends for a while. We've been trying to collaborate, and here we are. Been looking forward it's to it. It's true. Yes. When I always say when there's a will, there's a way, and here we are. So tell the <laughs> world, I know how great you are, but let the world know, what do you do professionally? Professionally, I am in my current role, a program manager uh, for contact center with Lenovo. And I am responsible for our relationship with our outsourced vendor. So my day consists of contact center uh, escalations, best practices, looking at reports and metrics, a little bit of everything. Uh, but I, I enjoy it tremendously. Now, you've had a good career in contact centers and know a lot about doing it right. And I, I'm happy to have you here because every company has some sort of support. Customer service is the, the formal name we've always known it to be, but it's a huge part of the customer journey. So let's start with your background and why is it so important? And why are you passionate about people getting it right? Wow. My background, particularly, I started off as an agent. It's probably been almost 20 years now. And surprisingly, I realized I really enjoyed being in the contact center. I love talking to people, solving problems. But as you move away from the phones and you see some of the uh, other opportunities that are there, they always fascinated me, working with data, uh, problem solving, uh, the technology skills that are needed to, you know, to staff and uh, have the right equipment, the right tools. Uh, that has always been, you know, something that fascinated me. So I think my first introduction to the contact center, I, I looked beyond where I was at and sort of identified all of these other great uh, career opportunities. And uh, I, I just decided that it was the career for me. I think what I've always enjoyed about customer service, customer experience, and the contact center as a whole 
is the leadership that I had. Like I worked with some awesome leaders who really took the time to nurture me, to mentor me. Uh, they, you know, just helped me to advance to where I am. What do I like to see? What do I think it does it take um, to make CX right leadership? You know, you have to have dedicated leadership who really understand that, you know, we don't just answer phones. You know, it, it's more than just pick up the phone, help the customer, and then that's it. There's a lot of science behind it. There's math behind it. There's technology behind it. But more importantly, there are people. And, you know, getting the, the people part right, I think, will ultimately lead to whatever success you're trying to uh, find in your contact center. That's really well said. Wow. I want to take this apart now. So let's talk about the people. And then we'll get to the technology. The people who are on the phones have clear goals. They have to meet the metrics, which a lot of times (laughs) it's, get off the phone. It's hurry up, solve the the customer and get on to the next call because there's a quota for the day. Now, if that's the case, which is very common, at least where I've visited call centers and different companies I've worked at, then how do you really drive customer excellence if you have these metrics like call volume and time spent on phone? How do you actually really humanize business then? It's a good point. Honestly, you know, I put people first. I have been in this industry long enough to know that you can pretty much manipulate your data or your actions to get some of the outcomes that you want from a metric standpoint. The problem with that is it's not sustainable. Uh, For example, I'm short-staffed. And I can do things that will help me meet my metrics. Leadership will say, great. And I will say, no, it's not great. I don't necessarily have the resources that I need. I think for me, honestly, what it comes down to is getting the right people and making sure you have people who genuinely enjoy working with customers. You have to start there. It's not an introduction job to get into the introductory job to get into the company. Like you really have to have a personality, a good communication skill set. And then from there, I usually try to be very engaging with my staff. I want to treat them the way I want them to treat our customers. Metrics aren't the end all be all. And in all honesty, I don't often discuss metrics at the team level with the team. Very seldom at this point in my career and at the position I'm in do I discuss metrics with team managers. I'm more concerned about what are the agents doing? What are we seeing? Where do they need help? Where do they need resources? If we can eliminate some of the things that are hindering them from getting the best service possible, it's easy for you to understand that you can't push them to quickly answer the phone. Everyone don't speak quickly uh, when they're talking to customers. Every customer may not speak within seven, eight, nine minutes, whatever your uh, service levels are. So for me, it's really ingraining a culture of service. We're here to help people. Um, Now, I I tell 
staff all the time. I'm more concerned about the 20-minute call that could have been resolved in three minutes versus the 20-minute call that actually led to a better understanding of the customer and company and a better experience overall for that customer. So, you know, when all things are equal, I would rather fail on the part of getting the engagement right, satisfying people and let the metrics fall where they may. Everyone doesn't want, everyone will not agree with that. Uh, I think I've been blessed in many regards that I have had leadership that has pointed me in that direction. You know, you can always get the metrics, even if you don't, you know, what are our customers saying? How do they feel about us? What is the overall experience that uh, we're passing on the customer show? A lot of my colleagues, we have great debates about this from time to time. But for me, it's yeah. just focus on the people. You know, get the people, get the people part right. Everything else fall in place. So how do you know that it's all working as designed? If there's call center leaders listening right now or people that want to create a support center... What do you recommend so that they can really measure it, know it qualitatively, quantitatively? How do they know? Well, now this is where the metrics come in place. I look at metrics to see how we are operating. Are we efficient? Are we doing things in the best way to provide the quickest solution for customers with as little effort on their part? So, you know, I think from how do you know if it's right? First of all, what are you measuring? What are you trying to accomplish? Um, I think when we look at the industry as a whole, we have to get away from the notion that this is the only way to do it or this is the best way to do it. Uh, some things remain pretty stable from one organization to the next. You know, you're going to pick up the phone, you're going to answer the email, you're going to go to chat. That's pretty standard. After that, you know, it, you really have to be personal to who you are. What are, your, what are your objectives? What are you trying to do as an organization? And how does that fit into where the overall organization is trying to go? So I would say understand what your organization as a whole is trying to do. And then from there, you start building your foundation. Uh, for example, if we have a big uplift in sales, you know, this quarter, the focus is on, let's, you know, meet a certain sales goal. I need to figure out what can we do that we currently are not doing to help us meet that initiative. Again, you know, I tell everybody, we don't work in a static environment. It's very dynamic. So, if there's one thing that I would, you know, let everyone know, be true to yourself. Understand what you were trying to do and how your contact center helps your organization meet those goals. Another thing I add to this is the importance of listening if the calls are recorded for quality assurance to listen yes. to the calls and use them as coaching opportunities with your team. Do you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think real-time monitoring is extremely important. 
I had a leader tell me many years ago, by the time your quality assurance team catches an error, it's too late. And it could have happened many times uh, since that evaluation. For me, live monitoring is extremely important. Number one, it gives you a real-time sense of your performance as an organization. How is my contact center performing in real time? Number two, it will allow you to really gauge what's working, what's not working. And more importantly, you can give that instant, immediate, in-the-moment feedback. Now, most people think feedback is simply telling an agent you did something wrong. On the contrary, feedback is, hey, that was an awesome call. I really appreciate how you handled that call. You know, whatever the feedback is, it should be in real time. But in all honesty, how can you really understand what you're doing and the impact that you have if you're not in the same uh, environment that the customer and the agent are? You cannot run a contact center from an office. You just can't do it. <laughs> so, Got to be involved. Yes. And... I also think it's important, and I want to know your views, that the customer is telling that front line, the, the, the call center reps, team, really valuable information. They're frustrated. They had a high level of effort to accomplish something. All that is so important. How do you find that information gets to key stakeholders so that they can make improvements, whether it's product, marketing, billing, et cetera. What's your view on that and how do you handle that? So I've always, for many years, I would take all of our voice of customer and then I would do two things. I would categorize it and then I'd monetize it. Here's why. I can say, you know, Based on customer feedback, we find that a certain product is a problem or, you know, certain things that we do within the organization is causing pain for customers. Great. But at the same time, if I can quantify that, you know, what is the dollar value that this customer represents to us? I think that really helps move the needle, particularly once you get in C-level, executive-level leadership. One of the things that we currently do we have a voice of customer meeting with every department within our division every week. Everyone is responsible for giving feedback and updates where they intersect with the customer. Just because you're not customer facing does not mean you do not have an impact on the customer. So we get together and we have these conversations. What are we seeing? How are we seeing it? You know, based on something that another department or another team is doing, these are the things that we're discovering from a contact center standpoint. This is what the voice of customer is representing. Um, that's great, but I think the true win is the action, the follow-up. Uh, we, can, we can exchange data, we can have these meetings and have conversations, uh, but until there's action plans in place that address what you're seeing, I think, you know, you're, it's just an exercise in futility. So I would say, gather that information, you know, compile it in a way that it's easily digestible to everyone who has to view it. And I think it should go to everyone who at some point either assists the customer or assists those who are assisting customers. 
those who are part of the product team, the services team, the marketing team, everyone involved should have visibility to it and let them take ownership of the things that they actually have control over. And then, like I said, the follow-up, what are we going to do? How can we uh, tackle any problems that we're seeing? When you start getting into that rhythm, what you find out is that you become proactive rather than reactive because now you're thinking, well, as a developer, we can't do this because the customer will appear to you know, feel this way or, well, we may not want to charge this price because based on what we've heard last time, you know, whatever the case may be, I think when you start changing the culture, it's usually going to start by letting people know this is an impact that your team has on a customer and it's the only right thing to do by trying to resolve that problem and, you know, remove any barriers that the customers are facing. So for everyone listening, Sean just shared how you drive a customer-centric culture in action. And you reinforce what I really believe. I go around the company every day and I say, you have a customer experience job, whether you realize it or not. Let me tell you how. So you're uh-huh. walking that talk. I love it. Yes. Yeah. It, that's, I think that's the fun part when you're in an organization, you get to let everyone else know, you know, good or bad, you know, this is, this is what the customer is saying. We're doing a lot of great things. You know, there's some things we may not be doing very well, but here's the thing. We actually have ownership and control of our own destiny. We can make the changes that we need to make. And so, you know, that, that's really what it's all about, you know, taking the information passing it out to everyone, and then everyone saying, these are the things I want to do to make sure we improve, so. Yes. I wish it was that so, easy in theory, but it, it takes lots of work. <laughs> it really does. I was just having this conversation with another colleague about how we, in customer service, customer experience, we need resilience because there's a lot of people first learning the importance of what we do. And there is a movement Uh happening. So you're right. It is hard, but thank goodness we, we don't give up. We believe in this and, and it's proven to to matter. (laughs) No. Right. So I want to dive into employee experience because you and I both have worked for different companies And we have had really great bosses and leadership and tough ones. And I believe, I I wonder if you'll agree that I actually have learned a lot from the good ones, but I even learned more from the bad ones. And it helps me now be a better leader because I learned what not to do. What's your view? Absolutely. You, I was just about to say that I, I learned from those who taught me what not to do, as well as learning from those who taught me what to do. Um, I think you probably need both. Uh, <laughs> ironically, I think the biggest impressions are from those who taught me what not to do. 
um, it sort of resonates with you. And it, for me, it sort of says, make sure you, you don't do these things. You know, you understood how it felt. Uh, you saw the challenges. You saw what it led to. So, you know, it wasn't a great experience. So don't pass that experience on uh, to the people that you're working with and, and those that uh, you are in charge of. So I totally agree with what you're saying. Now, boy, if I could name drop. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're not going to do that. But if. (laughs) No, we don't want to do that. No, we don't want to do that. If on the topic of employee experience, and we know that valued, appreciated, included employees perform better, what's your perspective on? diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is a hot topic in most companies now. Do you see a change happening? What's your perspective? I think that I've seen a change. I can go back maybe 10, 12 years ago. Um, I started really noticing a change. Part of it was based on the leadership that I worked for. Like this was mandated. Like we need to be all inclusive. Um, and I distinctly remember uh, having a conversation and my executive vice president said, we need agents, we need staff, we need leadership that mirror what our customer base is. Like they need to identify with this company based on who we are and who they are. And so I think diversity is awesome in that it. It brings this collection of people together and it introduces different perspectives, uh, new ideas, things that you may have never considered uh, doing or thinking about because you didn't have this great collection uh, of staff. So for me, you know, I've always been very sensitive and aware of diversity within uh, the contact center. I think it's been nothing but helpful for me. Uh, It helps me professionally. It helps me personally. And so when done right, it only makes you a better person overall. We're not just talking about, you know, professionally, just from a personal standpoint. Some of my best friends to this day uh, were people, they don't look like me. We don't necessarily agree on everything. We come from totally diverse backgrounds but we all have this love for customer experience and customer service and the contact center. And it's sort of the glue that binds us together um, and and having conversations with all of these varieties of people based on this commonality. uh, It sort of introduces you to someone in a way that you probably otherwise would not have had the opportunity to, to, to get so all for diversity in the workplace. Agree. And I see a movement happening because people are asking me questions that they don't know about my culture, my background, where my grandparents came from. And and so there's certain holidays. I love that the company's not saying happy holidays as if everybody's generic. We're getting getting to the individual personal... (laughs) Right. I think that's a beautiful thing. I Absolutely. love that. Absolutely. 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 Yes. You know, I, 
I speak with 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 my staff now um, and just learning about some of the holidays that they celebrate that are totally foreign to me, you know, and and I'm quick to go to Google and do a quick Google search to learn more about, you know, some of the things that uh, experiences and, you know, differences that I have with some of my team members. And it really offers an opportunity for us to learn more about one another and have conversations that we probably otherwise would never have. Yes, I agree. So I'm going to come to my last two questions, okay? One's professional, one's Already? personal. Yes, that was so you fast. Know, you, you and I could talk for days. You know that, but that yes, is true. We'll come to that the end. <laughs> so we'll start okay. with the professional one. I ask this of everybody on my show. So if you could tell okay. one thing, one takeaway to all, imagine the CEOs and leaders of all these different brands are in my room. What's the one thing you want them to know? It's not as easy as you think, and it's not as difficult as you're making it. And oh. that's usually what I tell executives all the time. You know, there's no magic formula to ensuring 